Welcome. Welcome to Champions for NorCal Kids, a podcast designed to highlight the great champions and work of the youngest members of our community in Northern California. Join us, First Five Shasta Director Wendy Dickens and First Five Tehama Director Heidi Mendenhall as we discuss topics that are focused on children ages zero to five and of course their families. Our goal is to inspire, empower, and cultivate a sense of community filled with hope and connection. Hi, welcome everybody. We have some fun um, information for you today. Obviously, it's Father's Day coming up and we wanted to honor and highlight men in our community that are fathers or mentors or leaders and coaches that um, provide youth with an opportunity to see good things happening. And so today we have Jake Mangus. He is the president and CEO of the Reading Chamber of Commerce. And we're so excited to have him because I also get to see him as um, the Rotarian president of our great illustrious Reading Rotary. So um, anyway, so welcome everyone to listening today. And um, how are you doing today, Heidi? I am doing well. I love hearing you introduce people and we hear all their millions of hats because in true rural form, no one wears one hat, right? And so I love, I love lifting that up and getting to honor people for maybe not what folks always see them for in the community, but all the other pieces and parts that make them who they are. So welcome, Jake. I can't wait to, to hear more from you. Thank you, yeah. Wendy. Thanks, Heidi. Appreciate um, being asked to be here. This is, uh, this is really fun. It's actually my first time on a podcast. No way. Oh, how exciting. This is super exciting then. Oh, and you get to talk about some fun things because, you know, talking about our kids and talking about our role in the community as an adult who may influence young children, I think is one of the funnest things that we can absolutely have occur. So, you know, you're also a, a pretty um, wonderful person. So I think this will be a great, this will be great. So I'm excited about today because um, it truly is going to be a fun thing. So Thanks for coming in and, and being a part and being willing for your first time Yeah, in your social emotional development. We'll try and make sure that we match where you are in your stages. Yeah, I do have a catcher's mask within reach. So just in case I could put that on if I, if I need to protect myself. So bring it. I'm ready. I love it. I love it. Oh, uh, softball season just started for us and we're in the, in the mood. So I like the catcher's mask metaphor. Well, let's start um, just with, can you tell us your story of fatherhood? Sure. I mean, that is a big time loaded question. <laughs> yeah. um, first of all, I would say that I am so grateful to have grown up in the North State in Reading in a family that stayed together. Um, I didn't realize until later in life how fortunate that was and how unique that can be. Um, so my parents, uh, Mike and Lindy Mangus, uh, are both just fantastic um, examples for me. My mom has worked with children in the first five years of development for most of her life. And in, uh, as a preschool teacher, she was um, a pre-K teacher at St. Joseph Preschool for a long time. And most recently, after about six or seven years at uh, Manzanita School, in TK, she came over back to St. Joe's to be the TK teacher there. So um, as far as the first five and its importance to overall development of the human being, I, I have seen firsthand how that is true and it's been preached to me for many years. My father, um, Mike, uh, has been another great example. 
I've seen people, both of my parents, people will recognize them out at the mall or at a restaurant. And it's either, you know, my, my kid who was in your class 15 years ago is in college now and they still talk about Miss Lindy and then, or it's my dad and um, thank you for uh, being on the news and we, we see you all the time and all that stuff. And so he always, they always handle those things with such grace and um, really humility, which we should all have. And, and so it's been a great, great example for me. So me being a father, um, Janet is my wife. Janet and I met at Chico State and um, we were a ready-made family. She was a single mom when we got married. So I have a stepson named Joe. Uh, Joe is 20 years old now and he's in the Air Force, which is amazing um, to think about because when I first met him, he was in diapers and and all of that. So here he is now defending our, com our country and he's not GI Joe officially, but he's an airman. <laughs> We're, we're really proud of him. He's getting ready to go to Okinawa uh, in Japan for three years to be a water and fuel systems maintenance um, person. So uh, I'm Wow, we'll have to ha invite him back in three years and hear his story. That's amazing, right? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I've got the Air Force, uh, you know, shirt. I've got to get the bumper sticker and the hat and all this stuff. So I'm looking forward to all that. Then uh, after Janet and I were married, Sure enough, we're having a baby. And uh, <laughs> Michael, Michael was born November 1st of 2005. And we named him after my dad. And then his middle name uh, is James and named after my wife's dad. And then we had one of the most um, impactful moments that any parents could, could have in their life when, when he passed away. He passed away um, June 6th of 2007. And it was un of unknown causes. He passed away in his sleep. So, Ugh. you know, you, you wish him good night and I love you. And then the next day he was gone. Um, so an incredibly challenging time in our lives and in our relationship and people grieve in different ways. And that was certainly the case for Janet and I. Um, but what brought us back to the idea of living, living with faith and not fear uh, and being open to the idea that we could have another child and not be afraid that the same thing would happen to that child, like something was wrong with us or something. Um, it was really, it really was our faith life. And we both came together at the same time and said, I think we're open to this. And so uh, Janet got pregnant and um, I was kind of, you know, normally you're supposed to be kind of like praying for a healthy child and all of this. But in my the back of my mind, I was going, it would sure be cool to have a son again, you know? And we were surprised, um, didn't find out the gender of the child until the day that he was born. And Kobe was born uh, in 2010. So he's in fifth grade now and doing great. He's playing little league and I'm helping to coach him. And then a couple years after uh, Kobe was born, you know, when your wife has that twinkle in her eye and she says, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have a little girl someday. And sure enough, we did. So we've got Sienna and Sienna is a second grader. And uh, it, that it's true. Freud was right. There is something special about that uh, father-daughter relationship. <laughs> and, and amazingly powerful. So, so that's our family. We have four kids total. 
uh, Joe in the military, one in heaven, and then two in common. I love it. I love your story. And I love how you tell it because you can see how much joy just in your voice that you have for your children. And um, what an incredibly painful time for any um, couple to go through, you know, yeah. especially a newly or wed couple, right? And so I just want to, you know, appreciate the grace that you've had around all of that and how you've led the community really in all of this as well, because you set up a foundation for your child, right? That's right. And it, um, one of the things that I was really concerned about, uh, ultra concerned about at that time, as you're just frantic and not sure, just in shock, was I was, I was worried that Michael would be forgotten and that his life would kind of be in vain. Um, and of course I was 26 years old and trying to process all of this, but what I knew uh, as I was working for Northern Valley Catholic Social Service as Director of Development and Legacy Giving at the time, and I had just been doing all this research on endowment funds and donor-advised funds and everything, people sent us five or $6,000, just people in the community, strangers, friends and family. It was before GoFundMe, really it was kind of even before Facebook and everything. And they're like, we don't know what to do, but we hope this helps. So we took that money and we established a memorial fund in Michael's name at the Community Foundation of the North State. And it's grown over time with different efforts. Like I've run marathons in his memory and people have sponsored me doing that. People have made North State Giving Tuesday contributions. Uh, when I left uh, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, uh, a strong uh, woman in Tehama County, Jane Flynn, who is a very good friend of ours and still is, she made a contribution in Michael's memory, thanking me for all my time at NVCSS. So anyway, it's grown to like $42,000 now. And every year we're able to make grants from the interest income from that fund to help causes that help kids in our local community. And the way I've summed it up is this, I say, today we're going to sponsor a little league team. Tomorrow we're gonna to build a little league field. And that's really what we, we see as the power of the endowment. And in that way, his life uh, continues on. And we've had the courage to be able to visit with other parents who have gone through similar losses, you know, not having that, that fear of, I don't know what to say or do, but instead that kind of gets stripped away with our own experience to just say, I feel like I can offer something here. And, and so we've got lifelong friends it feels like now as a result of that so yeah it's so incredibly empowering and giving i you know to to be able to relive the pain through the story and share with others that is so wonderful and i not being a shasta county resident was not aware of that foundation or just not aware and so um that's really amazing what do you know what you sponsored or were, were able to fund in the last couple of years yeah we we've done many different things. Early on, we supported the CASA program. So court-appointed special advocates connecting abused, neglected, abandoned kids with consistent positive adults and giving them a voice in court and all these kinds of things to get them into safe, permanent homes. See, I still remember the whole, uh, the whole pitch. You did a great job. Yeah. You did a great job. That's <laughs> actually how Jake and I met was through the yeah. CASA program. I was the county child welfare liaison with NVCSF and I would always go down we would our meetings would be held in Tehama County because it was a regional kind of uh, meeting and so we would go down and we would ride together so I we got to know each other pretty well so it was it was really fun yep so 
So that, that was a program that we supported. And then uh, we gave to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation because that's a, you know, a, a, something that is discovered in youth. And then we've even given like to local scholarship funds, um, a family of our, a friend of ours, the, the Denims, they do a golf tournament every year and then they contribute the proceeds to a scholarship fund. They lost their home in the car fire. The donations were really down that particular year. And Janet said to me, I think we, I think we need to support this. So we did. We've also supported many years in a row Launchpad for Kids and that's um, Ashley Tate's organization. And to us, it's exactly what we wanted to do with these funds, which was to allow uh, kids to experience positive extracurricular activities, knowing that the only barrier to them doing that is lack of financial resources. So you get to basically like fund the needs of these kids and, and get them piano lessons or ballet slippers that they might need or the baseball bat and glove that they couldn't afford otherwise. So that's been really fun. And then you get the handwritten thank you from the the family, kind of like the adoptive family uh, has been where it's an anonymous thing. You never meet the recipient, but you get this pen pal correspondence, which is pretty, pretty neat. So it's, it's been really cool to be able to do that. Yeah, that is super cool. And I think it's just, again, a memory for him and his name is, you know, something other people will remember and his legacy will live, you know, forever because you guys have done those things. Um, and it's, it's just so touching to listen to and to hear about and really does touch the community too, which is part of the reason why you're in the position you're in as the, as the chamber president and CEO, like you definitely have a lot of ties to your community and a lot of hopes and dreams. And, um, you know, it's important to you and it's evident just in the way that you manage everything um, that you do. So um, I really just appreciate all of that work that you're doing. Thank you. And I, I do um, look at my job as an incredible responsibility and opportunity. There's only one chamber president in Reading. And for a long time, that one person was Frank Strazzarino. He, he was in this role for 24 years. And actually, when I, when I started in 2016, I did the math and he was actually in the position when I was like in second grade. So mm -hmm. all the way from there to the point of taking over, um, it had been Frank Strazzarino's Chamber of Commerce. So to be able to follow that up and to make it my own, and that's been really gratifying. And I'll always uh, be grateful to Frank for asking me to consider it. And he passed away a, a couple years ago. And, and we just hope that, that we're carrying on his legacy through our scholarship fund, which is named after him. So, nice. so that's been pretty good stuff. Um, and then when you think about it, business is kind of one of those foundational things as far as a metric to overall community health. So I feel like I'm still very much in similar work to what I was in before when I was at NVCSS, but I'm able to focus in on my community uh, versus a six county region, which it, be it became a lot more challenging to try to affect change over that type of an area as one person. But here, you're able to work with those in the community and focus in on your city. So um, that's been been really gratifying work. I love, so I love hearing the connection between business health, community health, and then family health, right? And I think yeah. it's something that so many of us, if we're in any of those sectors, I feel like we know it in our heart, but it's not always lifted up to truly show the, the bi-directional strength that it has towards each other. So that's so powerful to say. 
How, you know, I want to want to shift for a second just in getting your perspective on how important do you feel it is for males in the community to be involved with young children, specifically, obviously, zero to five and helping make sure that those, um, you know, seeds are planted and those brains, you know, the foundation is built. Um, how important do you think that really is? Oh, I think it's incredibly important. I think that we see uh, oftentimes in in family dynamics that are struggling, that there is this absence of the the male figure in in the household. At least that's that's what I see. And so, I think that it's also important for us as men to encourage one another when we see. Uh, when we see our friends, you know, our buddies who are out doing things with their kids, and if if they're there, you know, helping their their wife with changing the diapers, or um, you know, maybe even just this things like coaching the the, the um, player uh, and t-ball, or taking the child to the park and going on the swings, you know, all of these things just really validating that that is something that's really important and um, and recognizing it, I think is is great. And also knowing that there are people throughout our business community that are very involved in um, in promoting um, youth and and doing that in the best way they can. So I don't know. I, I think that um, that it plays an important role in setting the stage for success later in life to have a positive father figure. You kind of alluded to it when you were talking about things like coaching with Little League or being at the park, but can you maybe share a little bit or just uh, what your thoughts are on not just the importance of a father figure, but just a positive mentor? Like when you were talking about your predecessor, I, I, I kind of heard strings of that about the power of mentorship and that and the male role can play. Yeah. Well, and even the fact that your dad has probably played the role, like he has, he is our um Fred Rogers, like he is Mr. Rogers to me. Um, and I think that a lot of children do look up to him. Um, so even just that, like, you, you know, in thinking about it in that, in those terms, I think, you know, that's a great question, Heidi. Well, I could tell you that in my own life, um, thinking about positive male role models in formative years, people who grew up in Reading during a certain era all know Officer Don. Officer Donald Ostendorf. He was the citizen of the year uh, in Reading. He was the, um, the police officer that would show up to the school and tell you about the importance of uh, you not doing drugs and stuff like that, but he would sing songs with you, right? So, and I can still, I'm not going to do it now, but I can recite some of those songs um, to this day from memory. And it's like from kindergarten, first grade, second grade, you know, so we are talking way back to perhaps first five, um, times. And then I think about coaches and teachers that I've had, and it's always, it's a different relationship than, than a parent. And sometimes it can be just as powerful because uh, you, you sort of feel like, well, your dad's supposed to be there for you, but these people maybe don't have to be, but they are. And I think about the self-confidence that I got from, from the coach. Uh, one was uh, Doug Doran that comes to mind. He's an Anderson uh, resident and we used to always go down to the Volante um, Park and he would pitch to me. And I remember if I hit a line drive or something, how he'd get goosebumps on both of his arms and get super fired up and say, come out here and give me a high five and all this kind of stuff. Now, 
you know, those, those things that stick with you. Um, and then teachers, of course, too, um, that, that have been mentors as well as instructors and just helping you to, you know, become the person that you are. And, and it, and it all happens when you're, when you're younger. So I think about, I think about then it, 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 on the other side of the coin, it turns your mind to those that do not have that um, strong figure within their own home and the role that we all can play to help uh, bring something that's healthy to that, um, that child's life. Um, so we see that in Rotary from time to time, whether it's the Thanksgiving baskets we deliver or other um, food for thought program this year now and all these other things that we can do, but getting involved in the community and making a difference in the life of a child, you think that there's really nothing more powerful than that. So that's kind of the way I see it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing that. It's so, it's so fun to think about and hear you describe like the coach that got goosebumps on his arms because you know, I would imagine that maybe when you were that age, you didn't notice it. And that's the way it is for me. I can, I had a, um, a couple actually coaches that were male figures and I don't remember thinking that that was really powerful, but now I can look back on it and some very simple things that they said have resonated and continued to drive through it. And it's so interesting how our brains kind of latch onto it and then make meaning of it later to represent what we really believe in life. It's true. And then having it come full circle now where I'm, I'm out um, coaching my son Kobe's um, baseball team on the same fields that I played on. And, and it's uh, Kiwanis Fields number three in Caldwell Park in Reading. <laughs> and I just recently told a story about, you know, like how me and my teammate, when we were on the Expos um, in Reading Youth Baseball, and we were both wearing orange polyester shirts uh, back in the day, they were hideous. And um, we were trying to see like, could you fit the entire pack of bubble tape, all six feet of bubble gum in your mouth? And you could have <laughs> of you know, and just these types of things. And then in that same dugout, now my son is there and having his own baseball experience. So it's just been, it. been cool to, to witness that. And, and you kind of go, oh yeah, I'm at that stage in life now, you know? kind of a thing because mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like you know there's an importance between being childlike and childish I think we should you know you, you should always be childlike so and um Love and that. I know Wendy doesn't have a problem doing that and I don't either <laughs> <laughs> no I've, I've heard there have been some costumes so I'm looking forward to maybe I'll get to attend one of the Reading Rotary meetings sometime here and see the uh yeah. <laughs> you're always welcome to be guests at the the greatest uh, rotary club in the world so. oh right. okay but then now my now my rotary club's gonna say i can't go if you say it's the greatest <laughs> well, well you know well, well the greatest in shasta county Would okay done it's deal <laughs> all right perfect <laughs> I, I i can't like disagree with with jake it was, it's a pretty great rotary, rotary club so um, well, you know, Jake, I think, you know, um, we're getting ready to kind of wind to the end, but what I want to hear most um, right now is what is your favorite thing about being a dad, your favorite thing, your favorite thing about being a dad and what's your favorite memory of your dad, since we're thinking about Father's Day and all that that encompasses. I think, um, so taking that second part first. When I think about my dad, I think about a guy that loves unconditionally. 
And I think about a guy that is, he really breaks it down to what's really important and, and he lives so simply. So happiness for my dad would be a t-shirt and jeans, maybe lemonade when we were kids or a beer today, um, going fishing at Whiskey Town or going hiking in the, in the Trinities somewhere. And he could be the happiest in his entire life there. Um, and I, I also think about then in my, when I see in myself some of the things that I recall my dad, because what you're really doing is you're passing down what your model is as a father, what your model was, and you're trying to model that for your children. So I, I really think about that and I go, this is what I'm going to do with Kobe today because this is what my dad did with me and I really appreciated it when we just like went out and we hit baseballs at a local field. And then when it was done, I said, all right, let's go to the gas station and you can pick out whatever drink you want. You know, just like little things like that. So the uh, blue Gatorade that Kobe was drinking a couple days ago and I was thinking about, you know, it wasn't so long ago that I was hitting baseballs off of my dad at um, Shasta High School and then going and doing the same thing. So those types of things. And then you just get that feeling inside of gratitude and appreciation for what you've had that is so priceless. And then you want to protect your own children and have them have that experience as well so they can stay kids as long as humanly possible. I love that. And, you know, you brought up modeling and, and people sometimes forget that, you know, we often didn't believe that modeling was the way that children learned. They, there was a saying, children should be seen and not heard. And the problem with that saying is that that means that you're telling, do as I do, not as I, or do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. And really children are going to do as, as they see you do, right? And so it's true too for our parenting techniques. If we haven't learned in other mechanisms or other areas how to parent, then we're going to just pass the same kind of parenting style down. So it takes you know, you had some wonderful, you know, parenting modeling, um, obviously, but also that's in you and that's who you want to be. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's just really evident in the way that you talk about your dad um, and your mom and the way that you talk about your kids. Yes. Well, so thank you very much for having me on this program today. We're honored to be your guest. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us today. Remember to check out the links in the podcast or go to our websites, www.first5shasta.org or www.first5tehama.org for any additional information, resources, or needs. You can also directly email either of us, Wendy at W-D-I-C-K-E-N-S at F-I-R-S-T-5 S-H-A-S-T-A dot org or Heidi at H-M-E-N-D-E-N-H-A-L-L at F-I-R-S-T-5-P-E-H-A-M-A dot com. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you'll join us again. Remember, it only takes one person in a child's life to make the difference in building resiliency. Will you be that person?